No, I need something for this to go on top of. Yay. Yay. Thank you for making it. And um, so glad. So grateful. All right. Wow. We are the three or more who are gathered. Yeah. And you know, um, three is the strongest number. Um, Martha, I'm just gonna because there's for some reason there's um, background in your um, three is the strongest number because uh, it's that triangle it's so strong that triangle and uh, if you need to support something a triangle really supports it uh, and uh, I find that groups of three are amazingly strong. So let's hope nobody joins. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. So let's get this party started with a prayer. So grateful, so thankful to take a breath. The breath of love and gratitude. So grateful and so thankful that we're consciously attuning to the highest possibility in our life. So grateful and so thankful that we are harvesting the wisdom from our experiences. We are 
embodying the truth. We are awakening to our own holiness and we partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self. We partner up with each other for the purpose of remembering and recognizing our true nature and our true identity is already free, already holy, already perfect and complete. We're grateful and thankful to dedicate our conversation to our healing, our expansion, our clarity, our freedom. And we share the benefits with all because we're one with them. In deep abiding gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Hmm. Yes, and we've got someone who joined us here. You want to say hello? Yes, hello. This is Anna Marie. Oh, great. Thanks for making it, Anna Marie. Oh, I thank you. It's always a, a pleasure to join with you. It's sometimes just my schedule doesn't work out, but otherwise, I love it. Yes, it's great. So we've got Linda and Lawrence and Anna Marie, and I. I can't believe we have just one week left to this year. So amazing, very amazing. Um, before I get the party started in our coursework today, uh, anybody like to ask any questions about next year? Yes, if I could get my audio on. Um, <laughs> I'm still going back and forth between what class to sign up for. And um, I'm just, I'm just not sure where I want to be yet. So um, would it be possible if I sign up for um, Ascension pathway and then decide I would prefer to go back to MLC three that I could do that. Absolutely. So, um, uh, I really, uh, I'm very energized and excited about the, uh, the energy for all the classes next year. I really am feeling that. So woohoo, it's one year. And, yeah. um, uh, the, just to clarify what I, or reiterate what I sent in my email the other day. So, um, and, and what I've said that, Linda, you would not have heard, and others in Masterful Living would not have heard what I've said in Ascension Pathway class is this. So the, the, the teachings of Master Saint Germain in the I Am Discourses, which is a 20-volume series, mm -hmm. and it begins with uh, Unveiled Mysteries, um, the first two books in the series are uh, in a lot of ways like adventure stories mm -hmm. uh, that uh, Guy Ballard, his experiences with Master Saint Germain and other uh, students of Master Saint Germain's and other ascended masters that he had um, these experiences in this world with. And um, as you know from reading Sacred Flames, there are the, the temples and, and different places like that, visiting those temples, um, 
with a, a set of masters and humans, and those, those are the kinds of experiences he writes about. And throughout them all, there are teachings on the practical application of all these spiritual teachings. And in um, the discourses, Master St. Germain says at one point that uh, um, people cannot offer these teachings for money, in return for money. So that's why I'm having the Ascension, the I Am uh, study group, which I just, I was, I, I kept pondering, how's this going to work? How's this work? And then I got, have an I Am study group. Um, and so uh, that's what we'll do in that study group. And then in the, and that'll be once a month, starting in February. And what we're going to do in the Ascension Pathway classes, working in this Zoom or whatever video platform we settle on for next year, um, that's where we're going to get into this personal dialogue of the personal application. And we've done a lot of that in Ascension Pathway this year, uh, really uh, in that practical application uh, because that's been the guidance I've gotten from the higher self, from Master St. Germain, is to keep working those, uh, the clearing, the clearing, the clearing. And so uh, that's what we're going to do. And I'm, uh, as we're moving into studying these discourses, I find uh, the teachings are so expansive that the suggestions that Master St. Germain has for us uh, the practical application of them is really expansive. And so um, we can discuss our own experiences with them in the, those, um, those classes. So we'll keep um, the, the talking about the teaching in one place and then our experience of working with it in another place. And um, so, uh, yeah, if you find that, doing that work is not helpful to you. Uh, I, I anticipate that it will be. Mm. It's uh, really a beautiful work that I'm, I, I think what I'm really looking for is my own discernment. Um, because what I've noticed this year is because I'm the kind of person that likes to not miss anything. <laughs> So I'm at every class, right? But I am also normally the type of person that likes to be in bed by nine and asleep by 10. And so um, I think what I'm noticing in my physical body is a little bit of imbalance, like too many stress hormones because I'm not getting the sleep that I normally would. So if I can kick myself in the butt to discern which classes um, I should participate in live then then I should be okay with ascension pathway <laughs> that's really my only concern right now and um and I'm praying about it because um I really feel that's where I'm being guided to I've been I was introduced to the I am discourses um some years ago by a friend of mine they go to a what do they call it sacred rose temple that's nearby here actually so um and they study them and they meet weekly and repeat the i am statements and um so yeah i guess <laughs> i guess that i just only had that question because i'm still working it through in my own head 
Yes, and um, next year, I don't think I'm gonna have any evening classes. Okay. If they are evening, they're, they're gonna be East Coast, six or 7 p.m., no later than that. Okay. Because um, this is the, the last, uh, since I, I came from Vegas, uh, 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 since April, when I uh, left Hawaii, um, I've done uh, more classes at 9 p.m. than I've done my whole life. Mm -hmm. and, um, I just, I can't do it. Like you, my, my, it's just not, I catch a second wind at 10 yeah. and um, I find myself, and then it's very easy for me to stay up to in the morning, but it's not, it's not healthy for me. And so I, I just not going to do it anymore. So that's why I sent out the survey. Okay, good. Asking people to say what time they would like. What we've been doing is we've been doing Fridays at noon. I thought Fridays would be better for people, but I think they're not. So I'm just, I'm going to just take the pulse and we'll see what, what everybody would like and we'll go with the majority. Um, so if, if people would like to vote, um, and, and you know what, I honestly would appreciate people to vote, even if they're not going to be here next year, because um, just like to take that temperature of what, because uh, when you fill out the survey, your name will be there. And so I'll, I'll know if you're going to be in the class or not. And um, so in the survey is really from the vantage point of what class are you in this year? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, I think the, the majority of the, uh, us in all of these classes, um, well, certainly two, three in Ascension Pathway, the majority have either flexibility um, or to, to rearrange their schedule somewhat, or they're working at home, they're retired, uh, so, uh, or they're moms or something like that, so, or dads. Um, and um, so I think we can really come up with a time that works for more people. Great. Yeah. A anybody have any other thoughts or questions? Well, uh, this is Anna Marie. I Many times I've wondered whether the class could be shorter, and I don't, it's not that I mean it's, it's not doable, the hour and a half, but I found myself many times just so exhausted, I could not listen anymore. I mean, I would listen, but it really did not work well for me anymore. After, you know, after an hour and 15 minutes, the last 15 minutes, they were just, very hard to pay close attention, you know. But uh, it's not that I want to shorten it. It's just, I don't know what you think about it. Yeah, you know, I would love to keep the classes to 75 minutes. I really would. Um, I, uh, I do find that one of the things that happens is when we get, it's like a, um, an ego thing that uh, a lot of times when we get close to people see that clock, they're like, Oh, I, I gotta, I gotta make this contribution. Now I've got to ask this question. Now I've got to bring this up now. And um, I've been very flexible and just, you know, not saying, okay, yeah. can you feel that? So, um, 
But I think we can set the intention. Does anybody else feel anything like that? Yeah. 75 minutes would be nice. So let's, let's all hold that intention together. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be really nice. Great. Yeah. And anything else? No, I, I just would like to mention, I thought the, to sign up in both parts of Ascension class, the, the one type and the other one, I thought that makes a lot of sense. And uh, I also realized for myself, I mean, this year, I many times I listened to, at least also to the second year, and I, I totally realized it just took a toll on me. I could not deal well with all of it. And I will definitely put preference on, on those two classes. And of course, I'm sure many times I wish to also, because it's so rich, rich. Uh, so I would wish to listen to the MLC3 and I most likely will do that. But um, I may not really follow it all the way through MLC3. And that's fine. That's fine. Um, I, mm -hmm. I thought about that too. Is, is it too much for people who feel, oh, I don't want to miss out on anything, you know, FOMO, as they say, fear of missing out. And um, is it, uh, does it cause anxiety and uh, that people feel they should listen to all of it all the time? Uh, plus the radio show, plus the sacred circle, you know, so, um, and um, that, well, perhaps I ought to uh, not let it be self-managing or limiting, but uh, do it for people. But I think this is part of our spiritual growth and discernment. Yeah, maybe it's our own discernment, definitely, yes. We just have to know when, how far um, we are equipped to, to go because, I mean, the energy is for, for, I mean, I'm a little bit older than most of the people, so the energy to some degree is finished. Yes, well, and we're going to work on things like that this year. We really mm -hmm. are. I'm excited about that. That's great. Yes. Uh, about working on uh, spiritual anti-aging methods and energy um, improvement. People are always saying to me, oh, my God, you have so much energy. You do so much. And I do, but it's, it's really because I just feel this tremendous energy for what I'm doing. I feel so inspired by it, and uh, it's not tiring to me. Um, mm -hmm. I also have a very strong constitution, so that's good. Uh, you know, I'll say that... Uh, 
Venerable has uh, Buddhist teachings that she consistently offers. And uh, the invitation is always there to me to um, study Buddhism with her. And uh, she has quite a number of students who are doing that with her. And um, I just don't feel called. I just don't feel called. I, I love to any opportunity to be with her or to study with her but I don't feel called to go down that track to be a Buddhist and do my ninjro and all those different things that you do when you start down that track. And um, she also, she trains the Cherokee ministers with the Sunray Society. And um, I'm Cherokee, but I don't feel called to do that with her either. Um, and sometimes I do feel that of oh gosh I'd just like to have more of her teachings and spend more time with her but <clears throat> I I just when I check in and tune in my my spirit's like you know so gotta trust that and um, yeah Though I, I, I'd like to get to Vermont this year for her spring and fall peacekeeper teachings. So uh, I'd like to do that. All right. Any other thoughts or questions about the class structure or the class curriculums? Or... All right. Yeah, in year two, again, this year, I'm going to um, be doing that work with <coughs> Quimby and uh, with Christian Larson. And um, similar to this year, it felt really good. And the, the feedback I have from people in year two has been really strong. They really liked all that focus on healing. And because uh, it's all working with the mind. And... Uh, and then in year three, we're going to continue that and uh, go into the sacred flames and uh, some of the other mystical teachings. Yeah. All right. Well, take my course book out here. So... Um, it's, it's interesting. Spirit guided me to um, the clarification of terms. And um, in introduction, which is on page 77, the clarification of terms are in the teacher's manual at the back. So um, uh, it says right in the introduction, this is not a course in philosophical speculation nor is it concerned with precise terminology. And it's interesting because A Course in Miracles students come, sometimes can get so um, attached to the terminology and the precise articulation of it uh, in, in terms, use of terms. It says it is concerned only with atonement or the correction of perception. The means of the atonement is forgiveness. The structure of individual consciousness is essentially irrelevant because it is a concept representing the original error or the original sin. 
to study the error itself does not lead to correction. If you are indeed to succeed in overlooking the error, uh, you know, I'm going to read that again. To study the error itself does not lead to correction if you are indeed to succeed in overlooking the error. And it is just this process of overlooking at which the course aims. So this is why I focus so much on not managing and coping and not even getting too interested in discovering the root causes because it can just be an intellectual rabbit hole and it's just completely unnecessary because all we're really doing is choosing the atonement for ourselves, developing the capacity of our mind to see that the challenges that we have in this world are mental constructs that we're projecting, that they are an opportunity for us to heal those mental constructs that we're projecting. And that's why everything works together for our good. There are simply no exceptions. And um, I, I think this, this concise paragraph is so helpful to us. Um, and the thing for us to remember all the time is to study the error itself. It does not lead to correction. Um, so what's an example of studying the error? Somebody give an example of what studying the error is? Just trying to figure out why something happened instead of just being willing to um, accept and allow that it happened and um, open to receiving the learning from it. Right. Beautiful. Anybody have anything to add to that? Or just thinking about it over and over. Yes. Yep. Trying to figure it out. Not or, even trying to figure it out, just, just replaying it. Right. Kind of mindlessly. Right. Yeah, so that's the, one of the main things is that people keep re-experiencing the same errors again and again in these two main ways. One is they actually recreate it in their life and the other is they just revisit it in their mind. So it's that those two ways of choosing again, choosing again. Um, I used to do a lot of replaying in my mind. And, um, you know, one beautiful spiritual practice is at the end of the day to do a daily review. And that's something uh, we'll probably talk about next year is doing that daily review <laughs> where you consciously look at where you made choices that worked really well and choices that didn't work so well so you can more easily learn through joy. When you have awareness, then you can more easily learn through joy. And, um, you know, there's that 
saying, I can't think of who said it now. Was it Freud, Carl Jung? Uh, and the unexamined life isn't worth living. Who said that? Is that Jung? Yeah. Um, it's not that it's not worth living, <laughs> but it's highly repetitive, the unexamined life. So it's this balance between becoming analytical and going on an ego fact-finding mission uh, versus being contemplative and allowing the spirit to show us the learning. Do you think that's similar to the teachings in the Bible where they talk about the sins of the father? Like learning from the past, learning from the mistakes that others have made. Absolutely. Instead of repeating them over and over and over again for yourself. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's some of what I was talking about in the spiritual counseling training call yesterday is I've learned so many things, so many shortcuts. Um, I, I, it, that's, that's one of the main reasons why I teach is because, or why I feel compelled to teach is to help people save time. I need to blow my nose here. So. There we go. Uh, beautiful. Um, another thing that it says here uh, in this uh, introduction to the clarification of terms in paragraph three, it says, this course remains within the ego framework where it is needed. It is not concerned with what is beyond all error because it is planned only to set the direction towards it. So in other words, um, <clears throat> the, the course is really for someone who's experiencing the ego and is looking to transcend it. Uh, because if you, you have, it, so it doesn't look beyond our human experience very much. And, and we know this, uh, having studied the course so much, that it, it doesn't have all kinds of things about the afterlife and um, past lives, future lives. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't have all that conversation. It's really about uh, how to transcend identification with the ego, how to transform um, this ego identification into spirit identification, remembering our true identity and accepting the atonement for ourselves. And so it's just completely focused on that. Um, a lot of times it does leave Course in Miracles students wondering about the afterlife and um, but it does uh, give us so many hints that it's endless perfect joy uh, that we can attain and um, and as we all know uh, well we all read uh, testimony of light right and I I can't tell you how often couple times a month at least, I would say, I think of that painter. 
Do you remember the painter? Uh, yeah. So um, in case you don't remember the painter, um, so um, Helen, not Helen, um, Frances, in her journey in the afterlife, uh, one day she kind of goes on a field trip. And um, it's like, uh, did you ever see the movie What Dreams Must Come? Love that movie. Yeah, it's a good one. Have you seen that, Lawrence? Um, Anna Marie? No, I haven't seen it. I have not seen it, no. Is that the name of it? What Dreams Must Come? What dream? What? What Dreams May Come. What Dreams it's May Robin Come. Robin Williams is the lead. Mm -hmm. And Cuba Gooding Jr. is in it. It's a really beautiful movie. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's a story of this man whose wife uh, commits suicide. Robin Williams' wife commits suicide. And he goes to the afterlife in search of her. To uh, get her out of hell. She's in some kind of Bardo experience. So are people familiar with Bardo as a term? It's a, a Buddhist term um, when um, people make their transition, uh, they go into, if they don't go directly to the light, they go, according to the Buddhists, they go into this um, Bardo, which is a... Uh, um, we could say it's it's not a dimension, but it's um, hmm. That would be a good question for a venerable. It's we could say it's like a dimension. It's it's a a, a place where people wander and um, who who are not choosing to go to the light, who are conflicted, who have unfinished business on the earth. They wander in the bardo. And um, <clears throat> anybody ever see the TV series Lost? Mm -hmm. No. Well, <clears throat> um, it's actually, it's pretty good. I mean, that's why it was so popular, obviously. Um, and um, I... Uh, when the series first started, I actually saw the first episode. I was in a hotel room in Las Vegas for work, and um, I saw the first episode, and uh, this plane has crashed, and these people are um, on this, this beach, and they're in this big situation, and they're trying to figure out where they are. And I remember thinking, oh, they're in the Bardo. Something about it made me think they're in the Bardo. I don't remember what it was now. And then when I first moved to Hawaii, I, um, somebody said that uh, Lost had been entirely filmed on Oahu or something like that. And so I thought, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I always said I was gonna watch Lost and find out where they were, where they crashed. So I, I went back and I, I watched um, 
the whole thing actually. And uh, as you went from year to year, it became clearer and clearer. Oh yeah, they're in the Bardo. <laughs> and, um, and so there's tons, it's a lot about karma. A lot about karma. And um, it's also a lot of craziness, like in the Bardo, it's just insanity. So you could say that um, it's like a uh, dream world where thing, you know how in dreams um, you're driving in a car and then suddenly you're sitting in a restaurant and there are these leaps and uh, crazy things that don't quite make sense and, and things are much bigger uh, than... Uh, uh, they're very dramatic. Well, that's a lot of how lost is. And in many ways, it's really very well done and compelling. The characterizations, um, at least in the first couple of seasons, are, are really good. And the people and their stories. And, and um, I thought it was well done. Anyway, so the course does not go into other dimensions of things like that. Uh, and it says, so this course remains within the ego framework where it is needed. It is not concerned with what is beyond all error, in other words, heaven, because it is planned only to set the direction towards heaven. Therefore, it uses words which are symbolic and cannot express what lies beyond symbols. It is merely the ego that questions because it is only the ego that doubts. The course merely gives another answer once a question has been raised. However, this answer does not attempt to resort to inventiveness or ingenuity. These are attributes of the ego. This course is simple. It has one function and one goal. Only in that does it remain wholly consistent, because only that can be consistent. The ego will demand many answers that this course does not give. It does not recognize as questions the mere form of a question to which an answer is impossible. The ego may ask, how did the impossible occur, right? Isn't that what people ask all the time? How did the separation experience occur? How did it happen? And it says, to what did the impossible happen? To what did the impossible happen? And may ask this in many forms. Yet there is no answer, only an experience. Seek only this and do not let theology delay you. So, um, and then... Um, what, what I was really guided to is this mind-spirit section, which is the chapter one or section one of the clarification of terms. And uh, the guidance is to really look at this, spirit and mind. So the term mind is used to represent the activating agent of spirit. Mind is the activating agent of spirit. So you can think of spirit guiding us to pay attention to what we're holding in our mind. The mind is the activating agent of the spirit, supplying its creative energy. 
When the term is capitalized, it refers to God or Christ, the mind of God, the mind of Christ. Spirit is the thought of God, which God created like himself. The unified spirit is God's one son or Christ. So spirit is the thought of God, which God created like himself. The unified spirit is God's one son or Christ. In this world, because the mind is split, the sons of God appear to be separate, nor do their minds seem to be joined. In this illusory state, the concept of an individual mind seems to be very meaningful. It is therefore described in the course as if it has two parts, spirit and ego. Spirit is the part that is still in contact with God through the Holy Spirit, who abides in this part because, but sees the other part as well. Spirit is the part that is still in contact with God through the Holy Spirit. So, spirit is what we, what we are. We're in contact with God through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit sees the ego part as well. So, the term soul is not used except in direct biblical quotations because of its highly controversial nature. It would, however, be an equivalent of spirit, with the understanding that being of God, it is eternal and was never born. The other part of the mind, the ego part, is entirely illusory and makes only illusions. Spirit retains the potential for creating, but its will, which is God's, seems to be imprisoned while the mind is not unified. Creation continues unabated because that is the will of God. This will is always unified and therefore has no meaning in this world. It has no opposite and no degrees. So there's no degree of God's will. There's no more or less of God's will. God's will is omnipresent, omnipotent, omniactive, and there is nothing that opposes it. And to me, that is one of the most healing thoughts we can think. There's just no opposition to God's will because there is no second will. No matter what the illusion or the delusion, uh, no matter how um, intense the things of this world, even the most heinous act of terrorism, torture, rape, and pillaging is still part of God's will. still part of God's will. How can that be? Anybody want to take a, a venture at that? How could it be that it would be God's will that something really unkind and violent would take place? Like, just think recently there was the, um, the driving of the truck into the Christmas uh, celebration in Germany 
how could that be part of God's will? Any ideas? It raises people's awareness. It just wakes them up. And um, I think in some people, it like activates them like the helpers. That's the only thing that I can see that's any good in uh, anything that's that heinous, you know, like the Holocaust or, um, you know, what's going on in Aleppo. It's, it's got to be something that's shocking people awake. Uh, the contrasting experience so that we know what we do want. Yes. We learn through that contrast. Anything else? Well, the other thing is that <clears throat> we're of God, and if it's our choice, then it is an expression of God's will because we're going to learn from it. All will learn from it. It will be felt in, in spirit, in the one spirit. The learning will be felt there. It will be echoing there. And so um, it is God's will that we see the contrast. We have these opportunities to express the thoughts, the beliefs, the feelings, and to experience them within the illusion where no one can truly be harmed. Nothing can truly be lost. And that this is, this is the classroom that we've chosen. It's the classroom that we've, we've made for ourselves. And uh, so because we are expressing our free will in this way, this is the expression of divine will. There aren't two wills. There's just one. And because all minds are joined, our prayers have an effect. So this is why I have people read Lorna Burns' uh, beautiful book, Angels in My Hair, so that they can, so that people can really see, oh, these are how things ripple. Uh, these are how things can be changed and why it seems like they can't be changed. And I frequently think of, and I've made mention of her, um, friend who was killed by the terrorists that the angels were warning her to pray and pray and pray because um, the terrorists were so determined to commit their act of terror and uh, she said well you know why can't you angels uh, change it and the angels basically said because those people have free will and they we were trying to uh, help them to see the truth and know the truth and not learn through this kind of horrific contrast and choose this 
uh, violent act, but they can choose it if they wish. And the only thing that really will um, help alleviate that or shift that is prayer and people's prayers. And we've certainly seen that. So, you know, that's one thing I think of. I know uh, quite a few people who are very uh, much in despair over the election and what's happening in our United States um, with the new leadership. And um, anyone who is very upset by it, the answer is prayer. The answer is prayer. Um, talking about what you don't want is not the answer. I understand feel your feelings and um, focus on what you'd like. Yes. Any other thoughts about any of this? That's kind of the, uh, the space where I used to get um, caught up in feelings of guilt because if there's only one, then I've decided to do this to those people, you know? Um, so that, that's still a little bit confusing for me sometimes, but I understand that there's free will. <laughs> I, I don't know. It just, it still gets a little confusing for me sometimes. Yeah. I, I, and that's understandable. So yes, we share the same mind and we are having a collective experience and an individual experience. That's what this world is for to be able to have both simultaneously mm. and to have the illusion of indiv the, the individuation and um, to experience it, to learn and grow from it. Um, And the whole of our healing is that forgiveness to not judge anyone who's choosing to make an unloving choice. Instead, to hold them high in prayer, to know the truth about them and the truth about all of us, to truth about, uh, we could say, the victims. And are there actually any real victims or might they be volunteers? Right, because there's, there are things that happened in the lives of those who decided to uh, inflict those acts of terrorism before they came to that point in their life where probably they felt like a victim. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you like, if you think about the young man in Orlando, <coughs> who who um, shot all those people um, in the club from the outside, looking at his life, he seems like a victim. Right. 
he seems like someone who um, was actually a, a kind person who had got into this mindset of self-hatred and then projected it outward. Yeah. Even that young man that um, killed all those uh, people in that church, all those black people in that church. Yeah. You can kind of see the same thing where it looks like he's a victim, that he was raised to be a racist, that believes that all of the evils in his life or in the world are caused by that. So, yeah. Yes, the... <clears throat> and there is also very much a uh, uh, something for us to be aware of is to really and truly not think that anyone has a problem and to not think anyone is needy. And so it's how do we recognize when someone is struggling, when their mind is confused, when they're, you know, and, and, um, and I think that right now um, our, our president-elect is an example of that. He's someone who um, is bullies people, he lies, and he, he does it all to manipulate very clearly this is his training is to do it this way. He's been very successful doing it this way. And so there's no motivation for him to choose something else because of what the way he thinks, what he thinks success is. And so we can't fight him and win. You can't fight the bully and win. But as Martin Luther King Jr. and uh, Mohandas K. Gandhi and even Jesus, and what they proved is through the active practice of non-judgment, non-violence, um, you can transform the, the world, the nation. And people who um, hate you will be transformed to admire you, respect you, even love you. But if you hate on the hater, you will never succeed. Yeah, look at how Mandela turned his thoughts around. Exactly. And I remember um, seeing him being interviewed uh, a long time ago where he said, or maybe I read in, in something he wrote, uh, that once he... It took him almost 25 years of being in prison before he finally saw that violence was not the answer. Mm -hmm. And basically, almost as soon as he had that realization, and he really got it, and he knew it, he got out of jail. And then he could be the president of the country. But until he had that realization that violence wasn't the answer, as long as he thought that violence was helpful, he wasn't fit to be the president to take them to where they needed to go or where they could go. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should put Trump in prison. 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. He's a teacher to us all. Yeah. And he helps us to see where we live. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to love people that we like. It's more challenging to love people that we don't like. Right. It's more challenging to love people that don't agree with us. Mm -hmm. It's more challenging to love people that seem to threaten our way of life, our values and our ideals. Yeah. I know when I send love to him, I, I always hear like your voice in my head when you would talk about if you were going through something that you thought was a challenge and being like, I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> and that's what I'm like. I'm like, I love you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I um, for me, I used to do that with George W. Bush. Mm -hmm. uh, because um, I, he, really, he really irritated my ego in the beginning of his presidency. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I would hear his voice and I would just say, uh, out loud oh I love you so much I love you so much my dear brother I love you so much and it, it helped me to to stay in my heart and to affirm what was true yeah anybody else want to share here So God's will is always unified and therefore has no meaning in this world, has no opposite and no degrees. The mind can be right or wrong. So we can be right-minded or wrong-minded, depending on the voice to which it listens. Right-mindedness listens to the Holy Spirit, forgives the world, and through Christ's vision sees the real world in its place. This is the final vision, the last perception, the condition in which God takes the final step himself. Here, time and illusions end together. So Christ, Christ's vision sees the world, the real world, the real heaven. And that's what we're calling into being, is that perfection. Wrong-mindedness listens to the ego and makes illusions, perceiving sin and justifying anger and seeing guilt, disease, and death as real. Both this world and the real world are illusions because right-mindedness merely overlooks or forgives what never happened. Therefore, it is not the one-mindedness of the Christ mind whose will is one with God's. In this world, the only remaining freedom is the freedom of choice, always between two choices or two voices. Will is not involved in perception at any level and has nothing to do with choice. All right, let's, let's go back here. So... 
Wrong-mindedness, right, sorry, right-mindedness listens to the Holy Spirit, forgives the world, and through Christ's vision, sees the real world in its place. This is the final vision, the last perception, the condition in which God takes the final step himself. Here, time and illusions end together. Wrong-mindedness listens to the ego and makes illusions, perceiving sin and justifying anger and seeing guilt, disease, and death as real. Both this world, the world of the ego, and the real world, the world of spirit, are illusions because right-mindedness merely overlooks or forgives what never happened. Therefore, it is not the one-mindedness of the Christ mind whose will is one with God's. It's spirit. It's spirit. Because remember, mind is the uh, activating agent. So in this world, the only remaining freedom is the freedom of choice, always between two choices or two voices. Will, divine will, is not involved in perception at any level and has nothing to do with choice. So will is not related to involving in perception. So what is perception? What is perception? What we think about. It's, yeah, it's how we view things. It's our point of view. It's the lens through which we're looking at things. So we don't see what's really there. We see a distortion based on the lens we're looking through. So we have many, 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 many lenses. And what A Course in Miracles is for is helping us to recognize the lenses and let them go. And those lenses are the meaning we've made of things, the interpretations that we've made of things that then become the decisions that we have about life. Uh, dogs aren't safe. Um, you know, the only, the, oh, sex is bad. Women are crazy. Right? These are perceptions. These are decisions that people make about life. And then they look at their life through that lens. So this is what we're doing with A Course in Miracles is we're coming to recognize the lenses and to see that they're not helping us because they're meaningless and they're not real and they distort our view so that we can't see what's real. We really can only see the distortion through the lens. And so then we look at the distortion. We think the distortion is real. We interpret it as real. And then we make decisions based on decisions that we made in the past that were 
based on lies, misperceptions. And that's how the past repeats itself. It's, I mean, it can be as simple as uh, when I was a kid, I, uh, I was sick. I had a stomach thing. I stayed home sick. My mother made me Campbell's chicken soup. I threw it up. And the meaning that I made of it was chicken soup makes me sick. It's repulsive. And um, for a very long time, people would say, want some chicken soup? And I'd be like, no, thank you. You know, just that, that memory of vomiting up the chicken soup, you know, probably had the noodles coming out my nose or something, you know. It just <laughs> it left a bad taste in my mouth. So um, the meaning I made of it was chicken soup is not good for me. I don't like it. Um, but then, of course, one day uh, there was some chicken soup that I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to give chicken soup another try. And now, ooh, this is delicious. So uh, the, the, the days of thinking that chicken soup wasn't good anymore were gone forever or for temporary because I had a different experience. I allowed myself to take, get, let, let go of the lens. I was willing to let go of the lens. So this is where, if you could just think for one second and close your eyes and tune within and ask the higher Holy Spirit self to help you identify some area of your life right now that you've got some kind of distress, some kind of discomfort. What is the lens that is that splinter in your mind that's actually causing the discomfort? It's the way you're viewing that situation in your life that's causing the discomfort, not the situation. There's some should in there, some shouldn't in there. That is that lens that's causing the discomfort. So what, what do you, did you come up with anything? Nothing? I did. I was just hoping somebody else would talk. I feel like I'm monopolizing the time. Um, well, actually, Linda, you're the only one here right now who's registered in the three class. So okay. you get number one priority. Right. Okay. Um, so I'm working with um, the idea of letting go of comparisons. And so I've been thinking about um, how I feel that I should be further along on my path, further along um, with my business, just further along with a lot of different things in my life. And um, I'm looking at it through the lens of um, an old belief of what success looks like based on what I 
learned from my family, from um, society, from, um, you know, books that you read and stuff about how to better yourself or grow your business or whatever. And, and realize that, um, and I was just having a conversation with somebody this morning about this, that um, considering everything that I'm doing all at once, I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> and um, are there areas for improvement? Absolutely, absolutely. But I am willing, I am still moving forward, even if I feel like sometimes I stumble and go backwards a little bit. And um, so success just looks a little bit different than what my interpretation of it was. Yeah. Great. Well, and, and let's look at this. I think this is really helpful because this compare and despair pattern is um, very common. Mm -hmm. We all, all can see some of it somewhere in our lives. And the, the mechanism of comparison, what's it for? Everything has a purpose. Comparison is an ego driven pattern, obviously. So what benefit does comparison give to the ego? Especially if you're coming up short. What's, what's the benefit to the ego? Well, it gives you a reason to give up. Yeah. Or to, um, you know, just fall, just fall into despair. Um, not want to move forward yeah now that all that's true and the other thing is is ego patterns have a positive side too a lot of the time there's a pot of positive side too so for instance let's say you've got someone who's self-medicating with drugs okay and um, they're zoning out with drugs so you know the the negative you could say the ego's negative side on that is, you know, you're a drug addict, you're a loser, you're avoiding life, la, 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 all those opinions and judgments. But what's the, the positive thing for being a drug addict? Well, like, what's the upside to it? No responsibilities. Yeah, you're out of there. You're escaping. You're, you're out of this world. You don't have to think about it. You get a little a vacation from it in your mind. Um, so that's the upside. So with the compare and despair, what's the ego upside? Why, what, what is the, the ego benefit that um, the ego's thinking, this is, this is a positive line of inquiry. This is to help you. What, mm -hmm. what, what could that possibly be? Well, it makes you question what you're doing and it slows down your progress, I think because you're busy trying to figure out why do I keep doing this or, you know, what is the purpose of this or should I just move on to something else or, you know, it's just asking all those, 
questions that are not necessary because where the real answers lie is within my prayer and meditation work. So from the ego's perspective, maybe um, it's, it's to um, have us examine where we're failing mm -hmm. uh, and pay attention to that so that we won't continue to fail and we'll rethink things. Maybe we should um, not do this because we can't succeed at it, protecting us from humiliation and that, that's that kind of suffering, mm. um, protecting us from taking risks, putting ourselves out there, going too fast, um, having people say, who does she think she is, you know, doing that. She doesn't have what it takes. Um, so there's all of that. There's all of that. And it's, it's a giant distraction. And so, because what we're doing is we're, literally looking at different pictures of illusions and comparing pictures in a dream. What could be the benefit of that? It's like if you were to take images from a TV show and compare them to each other it, it's one thing if you're working as a production designer or something on the show but if you're not what what how would that be of any value it's not it's not it's just a distraction right. could potentially be considered entertainment um, but if it's not making you happy it's not very entertaining um, so the thought of it is I'm doing something wrong and <clears throat> what would be the thought that heals that? It's also about doubt, doubting ourselves. Do I have what it takes? Should I pull back? Should I reconfigure? What can I do to protect myself? Because right now I'm not really safe on this trajectory I'm on. I see you nodding your head. So these, these, you can see how there's a confluence of thoughts that can get wound into um, just one behavior or one uh, pattern in the mind. Yeah. So... What would be the antidote to that? Well, so far for me, what is pulling me out of it is um, taking stock and looking at what I have done and energizing more of that. Right. Um, and 
affirming that I am doing it. I am doing it. I may not be doing it as fast as my ego would like, but I am doing it. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, and there, everybody has their own more from it. path. It's, it's so much about honoring the unique path and being in that spiritual connection uh, with our loving heart of honoring the path that we're on, knowing that everything works together for our good. What could you not accept if you but knew that everything was gently planned by one who's only interested in your good? It, it, the compare and despair gives us an opportunity to choose to align with these teachings in the course Um, because the distress and the pain sends us to look for a way to learn through joy rather than distress. So the way to learn through joy is to truly accept that everything is working together for good and not to judge it, to truly accept that everything has been planned by one who's gently, uh, gently planned it for our good. So I can totally relate to you, Linda, because um, back in the day, I used to compare myself to other spiritual teachers and find that I was doing something lacking or I wasn't doing something right. And what I can see now is that, like, um, I remember when I first met Tama Keeves, um, whenever that was, four years ago or whatever, um, we didn't know each other. So we just had some lovely conversations getting to know each other as friends, and we really like each other. And, um, you know, she wrote her first book, and it was a big success. And um, she got a, you know, huge publisher, huge publishing deal. Uh, and I don't really know, but I... I, I, I I believe that she got a huge amount of press, you know, Oprah, blah, 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 all that stuff. Uh, Same with, uh, you know, my friend Rhonda Britton. She was on that TV show starting over. She was on Oprah, you know, huge success with her books. And, um, uh, but what I have seen in my life experience is like Tama said to me, she said, oh, Jennifer, I wish I'd done what you're, you're doing. You're building this really strong foundation and you're going to lay your books on top of that. You've got this whole foundation. She said, I, I just exploded. I had no foundation and all of it, just a lot of it, you know, just kind of dissipated and slipped through and, and now I'm, you know, reconfiguring and how do I really want to live? And, you know, and, um, so there's just there's just no value to comparing. So I think that um, it's about uh, to to eliminate that pattern is really to just interrupt it and say no, I, I'm just not going to go down that road, um, or to say because I think this is very useful with interrupting any kind of pattern, whether it's addiction to uh, anything, because we can get very addicted to comparing, mm-hmm. very addicted. And um, it's, it often can be patterns of envy and jealousy that are coming up for healing too. Um, and all of it gives us this wonderful opportunity to recognize, oh, 
I can love myself as I am. Mm -hmm. And that's our freedom. It's about so much about, okay, wait a minute. There is no comparison. I mean, yes, we could compare me to Gary Renard, but why would you want to? You can compare me to Marianne Williamson, but what, what benefit would it bring? I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, I like this about Marianne, I like this about Jennifer, I don't like this about Jennifer, I don't like this about Mary. We could say all those things, but really, even all of that, what's the point? What's the point? It's so the compare and despair, if you can, as a way of eliminating this pattern, just move right into really cataloging your gratitude for what you've learned, what you like about your life, and, and focus entirely on that vision of what you're calling forth. And to be able to hold that vision without attachment. And that's why I like that visioning process that we do in the New Year's Intention Series. Um, and you know, you could do that once a week. Just listen yeah. to That'd be a great idea. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. For years, I got together with my prayer partners once a month, and we visioned together. It was just something we did every single month. Yeah. Like work, it was on our calendar for the whole year, and that we just did that once a month. And um, we still do it on the phone. We still do. Not, not once a month, but we still do it from time to time. Go through that whole like meditation process and yeah. We take turns yeah. leading it and we share what we got for each other. Oh, that would be a good idea too, yeah. Yes, you know what? I will teach you folks how to do that next year. You can do it with your prayer partner. It's really nice to do it with three people or uh, three or four people. It takes time. <coughs> but you could do a different person each week or something, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, we used to do it for, um, like, if there were three of us, we would do it for all three of us. We, but we would take three or four hours to, to be together. We'd break bread together, and we'd do the visioning together, and then we'd talk about it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. You know, that's why I'm, I'm really looking forward to the um, the New Year stuff. Um, I'm a one. <laughs> so this is my year. And um, I'm a one whether I use my maiden name or my married name, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and my birthday is also a one. Wow. Um, so, so yeah, I, I'm just, I really feel like, uh, even with the, the looming, um, trepidations about the new, um, president and his cabinet coming in, um, this is going to be a really awesome year. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Great. All right. Well, that feels like a great place for us to 
close close it up here. Anybody have any final thoughts? All right. Well, I'm going to pray and then we can uh, wish each other happy holidays. So grateful, so thankful to join together in this field of love for this high and holy purpose of our awakening and our healing. So grateful and so thankful that right where we are, the fullness of God's love is leading us and guiding us. It's informing us of our true nature and our true identity. So grateful that we go forth in love as love, in a field of love. We are grateful and thankful to consciously attuned to the higher Holy Spirit self and to consciously awaken to any and all patterns in seen, not seen, recognized, not recognized, felt and not felt, any and all patterns of dysfunction, negativity, wrong-mindedness, We're allowing them to dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause. We're grateful to stand in this awakened space together and share the benefits with everyone. In gratitude, we claim our healing. In gratitude, we claim our awakening. In gratitude, we know it's done. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yay. (laughs) So happy holidays, everybody. Enjoy your uh, holidays, whatever you're celebrating this uh, holiday season. And uh, we have our last class of the year, a week from today. It's the same time, same bat channel, same bat station. And, uh, And I look forward to our new year together. Thank you. Thank you and happy holidays. (laughs) See you in the light.